the Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. The Interplanetary Podcast, the exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. You sound like you're somewhere outside of your recording studio, Matt. Where are you? I am in Wales, Jamie, in Wales, in the great country of Wales, stood underneath an enormous moon in the the International Convention Centre of Newport at the UK Space Conference 2019, which is all coming to an end. I was hoping to walk around the exhibition and tell you all about it, Jamie, but I've just been kicked out. Wow. Oh, you've been kicked out already? Yeah, it's all come to an end. Well, that sounds incredible, Boyle. It sounds yeah, yeah. amazing. So what, what have in, you been up to? Who did you see? Well, I saw, I've seen Tim Peake. I stood, in the, I stood in the lunch queue with Tim Peake. That was nice. Oh, yeah. And what I, was he eating? He was eating some beef stew that was very nice. And I oh, met, wow, okay. a, oh, get this. I met a lovely, a lovely lady called Vicky who does videos. Say, say hi. Hi, Vicky. Who am I saying hi to, though? You're saying hi to Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Uh, you are the colleague on the podcast. I am the artist formerly known as Radio Vicky, so I'm a, I'm a radio girl. Oh, my girl. God. This is, this <laughs> is an honour, Vicky. How's it going? It's an honour, he says. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, I'm just... Re- see, I'm recording the podcast while wandering around. I like that's, it. That, that's good. And I've just bumped in. I've actually already done a live video with Vicky. She, she was very nice to me. So we, we, I, we So, we got, we've got a section with her on anyway, Jamie. Can you believe that? Yeah. That so is like the, genius. It's like, a, it's like a double whammy. It's in a bit. Nice to <laughs> so, meet yeah. you. And, and, of course, I bumped into Harriet. So, oh, oh lovely inter- Harriet. I'm, How's I'm, she I'm doing? Oh, she, she, I'm, I'm looking at someone carrying a bit of a sky roarer around. Oh, <laughs> That's quite standard. cool, isn't it? Uh, Harriet's doing very well. She, everyone, everyone today, Jamie, is super hungover. Yeah, it sounds in, like there was some big party last night. What did I miss yeah. out on? It looked amazing. There was male voice choirs and lasers, and but everyone is everyone has got bloodshot eyes today. So I, I you know, I'd walk around to say the reaction <laughs> reaction engine reaction engines, and they all look bloodshot eyes and going, yeah, I'm not quite not quite with it, not quite there. Well, that's okay. You know what these space industry folk are like. Yeah, well, I think I've got a feeling the space industry folk can booze. I reckon that was. I that think was it's some hard, kind of party. Surely some of it's hard drugs, though, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lot of hard drugs going on yeah. in the space industry. This is what I've, they don't um, tell you. Well, you know, you've seen Elon Musk smoke weed. It's R- the gateway. Richard, yeah, Richard Branson's crack pipe. Do you see what I did there, Matt? <laughs> gateway. Gateway, yeah, it's a gateway drug. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Just put, put a bit of canned laughter over the top of my very hilarious space slash drugs quote. Perfect. So, Jamie, yeah, I've, I've, I've spoke to a few people. I've, I've, I've lined up quite a few uh, interviews, but I have done one interview in the auditorium itself, and that was oh. with, uh, with a very, very uh, cool startup called um, Black Arrow. You Black might be Arrow. familiar. Black Arrow might yeah. be familiar with the name. I asked for him where anyone he got who, it from. For anyone who doesn't know who they are, can you tell us uh, a little bit about them? 
Well, I'll tell you what, instead of me telling you about them, shall we just <gasps> play my, shall we just play oh my, my interview? Oh my God, yeah, let's jump in. Ecoute. Ecoute, Black Arrow. So I'm here at the UK Space Conference 2019 with Paul Williams from a company called Black Arrow. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matthew. Um, thanks. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Black Arrow, because it's something I've not really heard of before, and, and it's a very intriguing rocket indeed. So Black Arrow Space Technologies, to give it its full name, is uh, still a startup, unfortunately, for a, a UK-built uh, small satellite launcher, um, taking satellites from UK and Europe up to uh, low Earth orbit, polar or, or, or uh, sun-synchronous orbits, which is the, are the most popular. Um, the unusual thing for us, of course, is that uh, we intend to launch from a seaborne platform, a converted dry bulk carrier sailing out of South Wales and launching somewhere in the Atlantic. So tell us a little bit about the challenges of seaborne launch and why people don't sort of go down that route normally. Uh, well, you say nobody's done it, but it has well, been done has before. Been done, yeah, yeah, it has been done before. Sea Launch was an American company that operated off the West Coast for a number of years. Um, that ran foul really of geopolitical issues rather than technical issues, but uh, it was very successful. They were flying larger launchers and they had a larger um, um, platform to launch off. They had a converted oil rig. You know, we're, we're flying off a um, off a uh, converted ship, so it's a much smaller scale at this stage. But the seaborne launch uh, concept has been proven a number of times. In fact, the Chinese did it not so very long ago, a couple of months ago. Um, it is commercially viable. Um, we've looked at the numbers and we think that the seaborne spaceport, with all the conversion and the procurement of the ship still comes in around about 30% of a land spaceport. And you take away all of the hassle about uh, environmental concerns and planning permissions and things like this, then uh, it becomes a much more optimal solution for the UK, which is an island nation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so obviously it's going to be very hard to break straight into a sector with, with a sea launch capability. What, what's the What's the... You do other things as well. What, what, what's, what else do you do at Black Arrow? So Black Arrow, is, as the name suggests, is a space technologies company. Um, we will be concentrating on uh, composite structures. We've started off with metallic structures to replicate uh, the, uh, the pressure vessels that current space users use in the UK but have to buy from the US because there is no local supply. So what we want to do is to do that here to the same performance levels, make it more cost effective, shorten the lead time, which is what Airbus are particularly interested in, and allow development of tanks that they really want rather than having to buy off catalogue. Hmm. Now that allows us to have quite a wide um, selection of products um, for launch vehicles, you know, the, the, uh, the, the uh, twin chamber tank for, for launch vehicles, the satellite tanks for, uh, for gas propulsion, um, and we've also found uh, an interest in commercial aircraft for fuel tanks on that with a different composite mix, same technology but different composite mix. And then on composites, uh, we're already in a joint venture with another company to build non-metallic tanks, uh, first off with small satellites, but then we plan to uh, scale those up to have fully composite launcher and satellite uh, propellant tanks in the future. So. Just correct me if I've got this wrong. So you, you're developing these tanks, and eventually those for other customers, and, the, the, and those tanks will be the ones that 
eventually find their way into your launch, your sea launch vehicle. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, so we brought this tank company out separately to Black Arrow. It's called Astra Tanks Limited to to operate as a separate entity um, and attract uh, customers within the sectors that that we're targeting. It uh, it helps investors get to better revenue and it helps us with our credibility at an earlier stage. But we're not only doing metals as far as yeah. the metal tanks are concerned. We're more about composites. All of the uh, the launch vehicle composites, all of the secondary structures, the fairing, things like this will be done in-house at Black Arrow. Yeah. But the uh, critical areas of, of uh, the launch capability, the maritime side in, in its entirety, as well as the propulsion and the avionics will be done by third-party suppliers under standard contracts. Right, and so you've got an interesting kind of background of the, where the people came have come from to, to, to work in your company. Can you tell, tell me a little bit about Yeah, about it, it's quite interesting. The, uh, the uh, Black Arrow's chief technical officer is uh, um, a, a very highly renowned and uh, reputable uh, operator in the Formula One world. He's been uh, the, uh, the CTO of uh, Mercedes Formula One for a number of years. He's, he's left that a couple of years ago, but he has a background with a number of Formula One uh, teams. And he's, uh, he's also got NASA experience. He's, he worked on shuttle and he's worked with uh, a number of uh, American um, um, customers in the past and, and really wowed them. He's generated textbooks for composites. So I think I've got the right guy there. Um, the chief financial officer is a bit of an interesting character as well. He's um, uh, trained within the financial field, of course, as they all are. He's run his own business for a number of years. But he himself has a BSc in Composites Design in Durham, uh, from Durham. Um, our chairman is an ex-COO of Marshall Aerospace, who is a huge uh, aerospace company in the UK who work uh, across the board. Um, and we have a number of other um, uh, management level and technical level um, operators and uh, individuals who are keen as mustard to get over onto Black Arrow as soon as we get to that stage of design and, uh, and integration. I mean, so, I mean you, that's an awesome sort of set of CVs, isn't it? Yeah, and so sure. uh, presumably that gives you a, a great deal of credibility of coming out of the starting blocks. Um, not really in the sector, no. It, it, <laughs> it kind of gives credibility from a broad engineering perspective yeah. and from uh, a materials and manufacturing perspective. Um, but when you get into the sector, there is nothing quite like a, a, a rocket launch. You know, there are so many safety aspects, so many uh, regulatory aspects, uh, challenges across the board. Admittedly, the Seaborne Spaceport, you, you could say that the Seaborne Spaceport adds regulatory challenges to that list. But when you compare it to the uh, to the challenges that land-based spaceports have, mm. um, it, I think it pales into insignificance. As, as, as we uh, as we've analysed, we think that the Seaborne spaceport will be far more cost-effective, and it gives us that added aspect of being able to export the service around the world when we get to that point that um, the global authorities see that we're really not a danger and uh, or a risk, and we can we can go to friendly nations and launch their satellites from their own backyard, which is hugely interesting and attractive for them. Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier on about setting sail to different latitudes and, mm. and, and going off. So ultimately, presumably, that 
that is where you would see the company going so that you're able to launch into various different orbits. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the, the, the Seabourne spaceport gives us ultimate flexibility. Um, there, are very, uh, there are very many different uh, markets that are available. Of course, we're all talking about LEO, uh, low Earth orbit constellations. We're talking about Earth observation uh, missions. And there's a lot of satellite companies coming up, all with different ideas, and they all need launching. And in 2022-23, they think there's going to be an almost hockey stick effect of number of satellites that need to be launched. So we're not concerned about the market at all. There's there's lots of market, uh, lots of uh, potential customers for that low Earth orbit market. Um, what's more important and more interesting is that la uh, UK launch companies, because of geography, nothing more, can't get to any other um, orbits than low Earth orbit and polar uh, and uh, so, uh, sun synchronous. Yeah. Where a niche lies is the higher altitude orbits, uh, either high low Earth orbit or medium Earth orbit, which, which are very interesting from a meteorological and navigational perspective, and, and they are coming on stream as well. Um, we're all talking about the new UK Galileo. Now, Galileo will likely be a mid-Earth orbit satellite uh, constellation with an equatorial orbit, yeah. which ordinarily is completely impossible to uh, to access from the from a UK-based spaceport. So, you know, we offer that to whoever's going to operate Galileo. Yeah. Uh, as a UK solution to that, which would be great. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, can, I can clearly see why the UK would want a UK launch provider for a, a UK-based yeah. GPS system. Yeah, I mean, so it's more more a case of security than um, yeah. than anything else. You know, it's always a nice to have to have a launch um, operator just down the end of your road. But um, when it comes to uh, satellite navigation. Uh, and other services, of course, you need inherent security, not only in the data, but in the logistics of getting your satellite to uh, a launch provider and tested and make sure that it's uh, secure all the way up to orbit. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. So uh, can you give us a, just a wrap up? Can you give us a kind of timeline of all the various aspects of your business and where it and, and where they all come together and how, how you see it moving forward. okay so so this is the uh, the bit that million uh, question, it, it makes people roll their eyes oh really right okay Elon so the, <laughs> so the the astro tanks the, the space technology areas are on the path already we're looking to uh, commercial revenue within 18 months uh, the launch vehicle should we get the funding that we want by the end of this year and we can get some serious substantial funding to, uh, to, to uh, get the launch vehicle designs and projects underway. From that kickoff, we're looking at two years to first test flight. Now that's important because as I've said, this hockey stick effect is coming in 22, 23. We need to be ready for that. If, uh, if we can get the Black Arrow 2, our small 500 kilo flying by then, then it's excellent news for us. And of course, the, the development flights that we plan will also have the ability for customers to get on there as, at a discounted price because they're development. Uh, the scale up to a larger launcher and um, 
I won't tell you exactly what that is because it's a podcast and yeah. I don't want anybody holding me to it. <laughs> but there is a larger niche that we uh, that we'll be looking at uh, in the future once we've got the um, familiarity with this system, got all the protocols out of the way, all the procedures, all the regulatory stuff out of the way. Then we can scale up to something a little more meaningful. And the important the importance of scale up in a commercial case is that we can reduce hugely the, the cost of getting one kilo to Leo. Yeah. And it is a huge change from just from going from, from the 500 kilo to something a little more substantial. Yeah, so presumably it, it being an, a, a seaborne launch mm. does reduce your costs and, that, and, that, and that's why you're pursuing that particular element of it. The, the one thing that I always look at when I'm, I'm looking at your video now, mm. I'm, uh, we, when you've got like a seaborne launch, obviously you need it on, an, on, a, on a, look, I'm looking at an oil tanker style uh, ship in the ocean here and you've got uh, <laughs> essentially an enormous rocket at one end and presumably your control room at the other is it, so it's actually are, are people actually on board at the time of launch or, or are they not I, I, I can't work it out no that's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so the uh, the infrastructure that you see at the back yeah. is for the control of the ship right. on, on the oh, way okay. on the way out to the uh, so, to the so, launch location. So no one's no one's putting their and the accommodation for the crew yeah. uh, during that voyage. Remember, we'll be doing all the preparation in yeah. workshops and clean rooms uh, below decks uh, on the way out to the launch location. Everything, all of the preparations will be done. All of the safety checks will be done. But no propellant will be flow, or no fuels will be flowing into the rocket or um, or into the payload at that point. Um, once those preparations, once those dry preparations yeah. are all told, all done, and we're on station, then we'll uh, have a helicopter transfer away from the ship to a command vessel, which is part of the fleet, it's the yeah. second part of the fleet, and we'll leave a skeleton safety crew on board just to make sure that all the switches are in the right place and the, yeah. all the valves are shut, and then we'll go into an automated fueling. Um, um, sequence and that's when the safety crew will be taken away and everybody will be then be off the vessel yeah what, what's the what's the uh, what's the, how far away from the vessel do you have to retreat <laughs> to start off with it'll yeah. be a mile yeah we don't want the helicopter running out of fuel halfway um, so it'll be a mile and then yeah. just before, when the automated countdown starts which will be 20 minutes before launch we'll move to three miles off right and then everything will be monitored using um, autonomous Marine vessels for the perimeter, or autonomous airborne vehicles for the uh, for the the um, the vertical height. Yeah, and so how do you stabilise? How do you st for obviously when you've got a rocket taking off from about how do you, how on earth do you stabilise? Even a very large vessel presumably gets rocked around. So coming back to sea launch, we we've said that sea launch proved this whole conops pack yeah. uh, uh, concept of operations back in the back in the day twenty years ago. And one of the um, really amazing things that they did was that they had a, a converted semi-submersible oil rig mm. with quite a large command vessel. And not only did they actively stabilize both vessels, they actively stabilized both vessels together so they could have a gangplank across them and you could hardly feel the movement between the two vessels. So it's that kind of technology that we're gonna be using here. Mm -hmm. And remember that wind, offshore wind farms now have actively stabilized uh, barges that they put the put the 
posts in, whatever they're called. Yeah, we'll, we'll the uprights. <laughs> <laughs> um, and those have to, you, you have to make sure that they're not flapping about yeah. at the top because they would be really dangerous <laughs> yeah. uh, during the installation into the seabed. So those are actively stabilized as well. The technology for stabilization of ships is at a very high level currently. I would say that we're not going out in a force 12 gale. Mm -hmm. We're not going out in heavy seas above, let's say, four meters swell. We don't know exactly what swell we can mm. uh, live with at the moment. Of course, that's uh, within the feasibility studies that will start as soon as we get the funding. But um, we know from our maritime partners, not only um, um, here, but other um, small consultancies we've spoken to, that they can cope with a remarkably uh, high level of swell you know three meters is really not a problem and when you look at the ship you can imagine why yeah <laughs> these no. are big vessels yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not uh, they're not coastal cutters they're yeah. they're big vessels this one we're looking at is 183 meters long it's a, you said it was an oil tanker type it's actually a dry bulk carrier type right, right. so you know you can see these in the busy commercial roads uh, of the world yeah. singapore harbor or london or yeah. whatever wherever I, I, I think I see them coming down the Bristol they, Channel from my yes from my that's right yeah. they are vast yeah. and uh, and they have a, a wide beam as well which allows us we think and obviously this has to be confirmed but it's not beyond imagination to think that we could put three launches in storage on these ships with the three customer uh, payloads uh, nicely looked after at one end and we could do three missions from the same vessel on the same campaign, right. and that it, um, yeah. we, you know, we were talking about cutting the cost of launch. That would be so disruptive. Yeah. Nobody else could possibly manage that, even SpaceX. Yeah, of course. I, I, I guess it's back to that. I mean, talking of SpaceX, you mentioned SpaceX. Yeah, you, you mentioned SpaceX. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, we, we can't help it. Every time we mention it on the podcast, everyone has to do a drink, but. Uh, <laughs> Everyone gets very drunk by the end of that. Uh, of course. The, um, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, it is really, it's a really good game. <laughs> the, uh, trying to, if you've got three payloads on your, on your vessel, presumably you, run, you do run the risk of, if one of your launch vehicles goes awry, that you're, that you're trashing of course. A, a multiple. So we're not going to be doing this straight from the off. Yeah. You know, we have to gain credibility with the sector. We have to gain confidence in ourselves, in our own operations. We, you know, we... we we are a step change company yeah. and we will do things at the right rate. You know, we're not going to put anything under risk. To be honest, the customer wouldn't be very happy with giving us a, a, a payload to launch when we haven't launched a payload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this isn't the US after all. Are you going to put your car up <laughs> for your test? So, we've had this discussion before. I, th I think you've heard. No, I haven't. <laughs> what are you going to put up? What are you going to put? Uh, so I'm a big fan of Vauxhall Calibras. Oh yes, nice. Um, and I have two. Right. And I think one of them might be a candidate for the first launch. Oh, excellent. And it will be called. It, it'll be called a name which will be very familiar to your SpaceX uh, <laughs> um, fans. Right. And we'll have a drink when it goes up. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're built, just as, a, just as an aside, we're uh, considering reusability of the first yep. stages and fairings right from the off. Yep. We will not be recovering the Calibra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I can't have that as my replacement car. You can do, <laughs> if, you, if you want. <laughs> um, but we do intend within a few years to have the second stage coming back as well, and we've got some plans to be able to re-enter that and bring it down 
in close adjacency to the ship to allow us to recover everything. Oh, wow. Minimum debris, minimum environmental impact. That's what we're all about. Yeah. We're not doing anything flashy here. We're not doing anything new uh, as such. We're just putting it in a, in a new application with a low-cost, cost-effective commercial solution, which is optimised for a UK operation. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I, I'm, I'm really excited about Good. UK Space Launch and, and, and really excited that we've got yet another person coming yeah. in and, and, and trying to make it happen. So Black Arrow isn't a person. Black Arrow is a company. Yeah, when I say person, I know, I mean but, but a brand. But when we look yeah. at launch, you know, yeah. around the world, very often the operator is not, the, the company is not yeah. seen as a company. It's yeah. seen as a person. Yeah. That's because it's all supported by private investment. Yeah. Uh, by um, yeah, private investment. We hope to have this in, um, funded through private investment, but a number of private investors. The company will never be me. It'll yeah. never be any of my team. It'll be a collective effort, not only of the Black Arrow team, but everyone in the country. We are a regional and national inclusive uh, company. We want everyone to buy into it. We want um, people in Northern Ireland converting the ship. We want people in in Newcastle making the tanks you know we, we we're not scared of moving out of our own yeah. um, areas to uh, to include people from around the UK in Ireland in Europe just everywhere that makes sense we're going to the sensible places not uh, not sticking yeah. in our own um, and, uh, and maybe a silly question where did the name Black Arrow come from um, those of us of an age <laughs> We'll remember the Black Arrow uh, brand from the 1960s, um, which was a government um, um, uh, quasi-military program uh, to convert um, a previous nuclear deterrent system into a satellite launcher. And Black Arrow was what came out of it. The, uh, the last Black Arrow was launched on October 29th, 1971 uh, from Woomera and it launched a, a UK-built satellite. So that made the UK the sixth launch nation in the world. Yeah, the sad um, story coming next. Since 1971, we've, we've launched nothing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except satellites. Yeah. We've launched satellites, yeah. of course, but not on our own launcher. So this is where the two years comes in. I said it was important, and uh, October 29th, 2021, uh, I don't know how good your maths is, but that'll be the 50th well, anniversary. It'll be of... a month after my 50th birthday. <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah, so I'd, be, I'd be mad not to <laughs> So, um, uh, October 29th, 19, yeah. uh, 2021, will be uh, our target date for the first test flight. And um, it's also the day after Dylan Thomas's birthday. So, if you're of that kind of <laughs> leaning, then it's also okay. quite important. Yeah, right, we yeah. might even call the first launcher Dylan Thomas in his, uh, well, in his be, name. That would be awesome. <laughs> With a calibre on top. Perhaps not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you no much problem. for joining us. Yeah, thanks for that. Really, really good. Brilliant. Thank thanks, you. Matthew. So, Vicky, tell me about Vicky Video. So, I am a space sector video blogger because most corporate video is so boring. Agreed. It's someone behind the camera doing dry interviews. I'm the girl in front of the camera, as you can see. I'm the girl in front of the camera. I do conversational interviews. I have a laugh. I get you viral video shares. And, uh, yeah, it's just a whole new way to broadcast. I do it all on my smartphone. It means that I can be there undercutting all the guys with their big cameras getting content on before them mm -hmm. and telling your story in a completely new and entertaining way. So hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So what's, have you done any exciting videos at the Space Conference? I've done loads. Uh, I got the back of Tim Peake's head. 
I videoed some food. There was a choir on last night and also about 30 interviews with very senior people in the space sector. B-O-T-P-H, back of Tim Peake's head. Yes. <laughs> yeah, his I Lagrange think. point at the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> what, what's the back of Tim Peake's head like? Is it still ginger? Or, or, I, yes, because yeah. I was checking him out. You know, he hasn't got a single grey hair. And I was thinking, where do you get hair dye to match that? So yeah. I think it's genuine, actually. And he's not balding either. So, no. so obviously the radiation dose hasn't, hasn't, <laughs> <laughs> hasn't sent him bald, no. And that was Hair Tips featuring Matt and Vicky and also the back of Tim Peake's head. Yes. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so there we go, Jamie. That that was Black Arrow. Obviously, you can't hear it, so you'll probably hear it with all the other listeners. Well, I when, can't uh, wait to I can't wait to listen to it. I mean, Black Arrow. It does sound like a does sound like a, a nice prog band. Um, oh, I'm yes. interested. Well, if we, if we were ever to do a prog band, Jamie, then it should be called Black Arrow. Do you know what 100%. I'm looking at, Jamie? I'm looking out of the window. And uh, it's pouring with rain, which if anyone who comes from Wales will know that that's not an unusual Standard. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's pouring with rain and I've got to do a long walk back to the train station and another four hours back home before editing this podcast. Oh, man. Well, I hope you've got a nice podcast to listen to on the train. Yes. Shall I tell you a few bits of news that have come out of the uh, UK Space Conference, Jamie? Go on, then. So uh, this morning I went to a plenary, as they're called, with Tin yeah. Peak and a bunch of people talking about STEM in the UK and they're launching an initiative. Every, every person involved in the space sector gets involved with uh, youth. There should be a million interactions. So I'll stick that link on for anyone who wants to get involved with STEM, uh, getting people into science and technology and engineering and maths and 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 what was our what was our boy peak saying everything good well, to he, say yeah he did he said he said the important thing is to if you're getting into something is to do something that you're passionate about and i kind of i kind of agree with it and i was i, I really wanted to say because they kept saying things like clever and talented and i wanted to say I wanted to say, look, you're never going to get round it if you if you think that people in the in the science sector are clever. They've just worked hard, and then that was the closing comments. They all sort of said, yeah, no, we want to get round people thinking they have to be clever to work in space. Yeah, they don't. They just have to. They just they just have to like it. They just have to love it, and not to be put off and thinking, I love space, but but I'm just not clever enough to do it. Yeah, and it was amazing exactly. the statistics. It's like 80% of people love science but only 20% of people wanted to be a scientist. It was bizarre. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah. That's so, so true. I think that's yeah, exactly yeah. what I would have felt had I not really known that it's just the hours you've got to put in. I mean, Matt, exactly. I could have been a rocket scientist. <laughs> well, no, you still can, Jamie. That's the other thing, Jamie, <gasps> I, should, I want to say is, look, God. Jamie, d d your dreams, you can still be an astronaut. You can still be a rocket scientist. You can still be whatever you want. Because everyone Could, loves you, Jamie. Oh, that's... You know what? I'm going to finish this call and I'm going to open up a book and then I'm going <laughs> to let you know how I got on. <laughs> oh, dear. So, Jamie, yeah. I'm going to put loads of stuff, all the things from the space conference, into Excellent. the usual blog that goes with the podcast. And well, this is uh, wicked. What a new uh, format for us. You've co you're coming live. Live. You're the man, you're the man on the ground. And yeah. I, I couldn't make it because I had to work today, so I'm coming to you from my studio. I've nipped, nipped out of my laptop to, uh, to come in here and, and, and have a catch-up with you all. I love it. You're like a roving reporter. 
It, exactly. So yeah, You're like Annika it was a, Rice. It would have been lovely to have had you here, Jamie. We we would have we would have kicked some ass. As lo- is, as, ev- is everyone saying they they missed me? They did. Everyone was saying, "Well, where's yeah. Jamie?" Yeah. And I talked to the lovely people on the British Interplanetary Society stand, and they they all missed you, Jamie. They were all like, where's the, han- "Where's the handsome one?" Yeah, they they were a bit like that. And I, you know what? <laughs> it's so many things around here. I didn't get chance to say hi to the 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 Cornwall space port. I didn't get a chance oh. to say. To, but I did say hi to the Surrey satellites, and they had oh, some very interesting things to say. So. Lots of interesting things coming up on later shows, and Jamie. Did you so, get me uh, any? Did you get me any swag? Any merch? Any yes. pins or, or mat oh, mugs you, going? I, that, that's a pity, actually. You didn't come, Jamie. There, there's it, there's quite a nice uh, uh, there's quite a nice UK space conference bag that I've got. Oh. But it, that oh. is definitely mine. After okay, made it's fair the enough. Effort, I know, mean, you made the you know, effort. You're walking through make, the rain. It's only you know, fair. it's only fair. Exactly. Exactly. Right, Jamie. I'm going to wrap this up. And well, let's uh, do it. Um, let's do so, it. Nice top and tail. Yeah, nice top and tail. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, sorry it was a bit of a shambolic one today, but, uh, you know, it's what we do. Well, we're on the road. We've got a bit of content, and, and you now you know that we've got loads of content coming up, and God knows yeah. what the audio quality is going to be like. Anyway. Oh, well, we, we can't wait to hear it. And uh, so, everyone, you know the score. Go over to www.interplanetary.org.uk. Check us out on socials. Leave us a nice review. Why don't you subscribe? Why don't you become and a patron? Yeah? Yeah. And join us for La Grange Mania that oh we've been having god. on our Discord channel. Oh my god, oh. I love Lagrange points, Jamie. I, I love am them. I am half masked. And I'm in I'm in a halo orbit around it. Right. <laughs> 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 Goodbye everybody. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye, bye Spudcats. Bye. bye.